If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome everyone. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. I am Kelly Moore, Mayflower's Assistant Music Director and this morning's worship leader. Mayflower and our friends at New Covenant Christian Church have traded preachers this morning, and we are delighted to welcome Reverend David Wheeler into our pulpit while Lori worships with the good people of New Covenant. Reverend Wheeler is a UCC pastor. He serves as senior minister at New Covenant Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, and thanks to our ecumenical partnership. He has served as a minister for 28 of his 50 years on this earth in a wide array of congregations whose membership has ranged from 13 to 7,500. He completed his Master of Divinity and has nearly completed his Doctor of Ministry, uh, all but his dissertation, at Phillips Theological Seminary. David has been very happily married to his spouse, Cherie, for 29 years, and they are the proud parents of Isaac and Joshua, two outstanding young men in their 20s, as well as three canine children, all under 15 pounds. <clears throat> he is proud to call the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie one of his best friends, and he considers one of his gifts to her his ability to text her just the right meme at the very right moment. <clears throat> When he's not doing all of the above things, he has been known to catch catfish, cook, barbecue, and he's found listening to live local music. Uh, for the work and ministry of Reverend David Wheeler and his presence with us this morning, let the people say, thanks be to God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Thanksgiving looms before us, Holy One in all of its complicated messiness. This is a hard day for many, a reminder of loss, grief, and violence. It is a stressful day for others, navigating custody schedules and difficult family and trying to ensure everything is just right, all while trying not to set off the smoke alarm. Help us to make this day of gratitude what it should be, a time to confess the ways we have fallen short repent and work to repair what needs mending. A moment to count our blessings, as the hymn says, 
to name them one by one without rushing or dismissing any gift as too small and an opportunity to reorient ourselves, to check our glass half-empty ways in light of our recognition that love has seen us through every one of our worst days. More than anything, Holy One, we trust that our prayers and petitions offered with our thanksgiving means that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, as Paul wrote. Come to us, Holy One, abide with us, and please grant us your peace. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning uh, begins from the letter to the Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Here ends the reading from our tradition. God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Well, good morning, Mayflower. It is an honor to be with you. I bring you greetings from New Covenant Christian Church, your neighbor about 11 minutes to the north and west uh, here in Oklahoma City. And I would hate to imagine an Oklahoma City without a Mayflower Church. I'm so grateful for your presence, for your influence even upon my own life and the ways our lives have intersected over the years. And I'm thankful for your gracious hospitality and welcoming uh, me today. You hold a very special place in my heart. And um, you know, a wise pastor's favorite congregation, however, uh, is always their own. Um, <laughs> but if I had to list, favorite congregations outside my own, y'all would be right there at the top. You do incredible work and you have incredible leadership, both lay and clergy, and of course, under the leadership of Dr. Walkie. And this is um, why I want to talk to you, because I, I love you, and because I want to talk to you about something that I hope will be relevant in making sure that you at Mayflower stay healthy and unified and focused on taking care of one another, even while you do the incredible work. Because as we all know, being a congregation with a commitment to social justice in Oklahoma can be extremely taxing. So we have to learn how to take care of each other, don't we, along the way. Now, speaking of favorites, I think it's fair to say that the Philippian church was probably the Apostle Paul's favorite. I don't think he, you know, like modern preachers like myself, he couldn't probably get away with saying that out loud because other congregations would have heard him. But let's be real. He's a little kinder and gentler when he writes this letter than he is in so many of his other ones. But the template for his letters is very much the same, and I always get a kick out of that. Here, here's the David Wheeler summary of the typical template of these letters we call epistles. Usually number one, dear church, grace and peace to you. <laughs> Starts out so nice. Number two, I thank God for you and here's why, you know. 
And then number three, and this is usually done with a, a fair amount of Pauline confidence. Church, hold fast to the gospel just like I showed you how. And then number four is where things get a little spicy usually. Usually there's an abrupt turn in Paul's writings. He says something like this. For the love of God and everything that is holy, stop being stupid immediately. <laughs> right? And then for anywhere from one to 17 chapters, I mean, he'll go on and on, showing them the errors of their ways and how they know better and should be better and do better. And then somewhere like a, almost like being landed uh, abruptly onto an airplane at a Navy character, uh, at a Navy carrier, Paul will say something like, oh, I almost forgot. By the way, Timothy says hi. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Wow, well, at least, you know, Timothy was nice to us through Paul. But I think it's fair to say this Philippian congregation was probably Paul's most progressive, loving, justice-seeking, inclusive faith community that he was helping to lead. And even so, all those good things going for him, they weren't perfect. It was true then, and I think it's definitely true now, that sometimes even the smartest most passionate, most progressive, loving congregations, faith communities with the very best theology, the very best programs, and the very best ideas, we can always lose sight of the fact that humility and unity in our approach to living out our shared values is every bit as important as the work we do. I dare you to look at your neighbor and say, it's how you treat me that matters. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. And now look back at him and say, so you better treat me good. Yeah. You see, as progression, uh, progressive Christian minister, I'll confess, I grow both weary and simultaneously irritated by the ways many evangelical and fundamentalist Christians act out there. I don't I mean, I'm pretty sure... I blame most of my hair loss on my frustrations <laughs> with that crowd. I mean, when they're not using the Bible to justify their hatred and discrimination of LGBTQ plus beloveds, they're out there trying to plaster the Ten Commandments on any building that they can. I mean, they're out there control, trying to control through legislation in other ways the bodies of women and those with uteruses. They're out there aligning themselves with, well, what seems like to my simple mind, the least compassionate causes on the planet. It's exhausting, it's infuriating, sharing oxygen with these loudmouth cousins. <laughs> I guess it's a good warm up for thinking about Thanksgiving around other loudmouth cousins. <laughs> but that's not what I wanna to talk to you about today. The dangerous beliefs and behaviors of fundamentalists, Christians, they're old news to most of us here. Now, instead, I want to take a moment to talk about some dangerous trends I've noticed among progressive and mainline churches and pastors and congregations. As incredibly valuable as our voice and presence are, especially in places like Oklahoma, we too, I hate to say it, have our own imperfections that if left unaddressed, 
more than have the ability to completely undermine our credibility, our sustainability. Allow me to, to illustrate. One Friday morning in September, my phone started blowing up. How dare it? Friday is my day off. And the phone started blowing up, but it wasn't just church members. It was friends and family members and clergy colleagues, including Dr. Walkie. And, and they're both congratulating me for what they saw in the paper, but they were also expressing concern for my safety. Um, you see, a reporter from the Oklahoman had interviewed me about my role in helping get a resolution passed at the Disciples of Christ. You know, boring church meeting they have every two years, you know, uh, you know church meetings. Can't live with them, can't live without them as a, as a minister. But at that assembly in Louisville, Kentucky, I, I, was, I was able to help get a resolution passed encouraging congregations to oppose legislation in their home states that target transgender and non-binary persons. And much to my delight, of course, it passed unanimously. How do you get 3,000 church folk to agree on anything, right? So why were my friends and family members and church folk Concern for my safety? Well, we do live in Oklahoma, where sadly our legislature seems to propose anti-trans legislation as naturally almost as they breathe oxygen. But my peeps were worried someone would try to hurt me now that my photograph and what I stand for and all that information, it was already public, but now here it was again right out there. And so I... I actually have a pretty thick file folder in my desk over the 28 years of being a minister in Oklahoma, which I keep threats and hate mail and bricks that have been thrown through windows. And, so, you know, okay, I threw the bricks out, but I keep the notes off the bricks. You get the point? <laughs> that would be bulky. But here's the thing. And this might surprise you. I never got a single threat from any of the typical characters to add to my collection. I was almost disappointed at first. All my criticisms, oh, I got them. All my criticisms, all my phone messages, there were many, all the emails that were nasty, all the negative interactions came from folks identifying themselves as progressives who said they support what I was supporting. But, you know, they told me how I should have done it differently. They told us, you know, how the resolution should have been worded, how our work was imperfect, underwhelming, short-sighted, too progressive, not moderate enough, whatever enough. You get the point? I guess as they say, it's true. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> I could have cared less about getting recognition for my role in this resolution. I didn't do it all alone anyway. I, I could have cared less. I really am not that fond of seeing my picture anyway. And, uh, and getting it out there, I, I could have cared less about all that. But I damn sure didn't expect the folks who were coming for me would be supposed allies. They weren't threatening to physically harm me, but they sure knew how to suck the joy right out of the good groundbreaking church work we had done. Now, friends, if this were just an isolated event or happening, uh, I think I'd let it go. If there was just an occasional church meeting, you know, where folks, 
I mean, out of the ordinary. I mean, I've seen this even, <laughs> even in my church. Yeah, if it was just an ordinary church meeting where folks got more upset than normal and wanted to go outside and settle things, you know, Mark Wayne Mullen style. <laughs> I mean, that'd be an easy fix. But it's high time we talk about the proverbial elephant in the room. Duh, duh, duh. Progressives far too far turn on our own teammates. We eat our own for lunch. We carelessly criticize one another over the tiniest details because we're so darn idealistic. At times, if we're not careful, we can get so unrealistically caught up in the pursuit of perfection in the form of progress that we forget to rejoice when progress actually happens. And it might not be just the way that we thought it should happen. And in progressive Christian circles, here's what I find. Unity, how we treat one another, is scarcely something we talk about. We're concerned with justice and doing the work, but friends, how we treat one another is every bit as important as the work we seek to accomplish. Uh-oh, it got quiet. And we've been largely influenced by a 17th century French philosopher named René Descartes, who famously said, I think, therefore I am. Oh, I thought you might recognize that. And so this hyper-intellectually driven philosophy combined with our American fondness for rugged individualism has created some real challenges for folks like us. We, we know we don't want to be anti-intellectual. I mean, <laughs> like those annoying knuckle-dragging fundies out there. I don't know, it's not very nice. I guess I should be nicer, but... When our ideas and specific nuances and goals become more important than our relationship, friends, we can become part of the problem if we're not careful. And whether we like it or not, progressive Christians can become a caricature just as much as our fundy cousins, albeit for different reasons. Diana Butler Bass said of this sort of situation, why is it that the choice among churches always seems to be the choice between intelligence on ice and ignorance on fire. When our individual ideas for healing the world become more important than our shared humanity and our sense of community, when the nuances become more important than the needs, selfishness is steering the ship. And when we become more concerned with doing things our way, we are focused too much on who gets the credit and not nearly enough on the relationships we share while we're doing this good work. We must stop and ask ourselves regularly, hey, if, if, if we keep losing sight of the forest because we're staring at individual trees so long, who are we leaving lost and alone in the woods? In South Africa and other regions in Africa, there is, a, what I believe, a much healthier prevailing philosophy. It's known as Ubuntu. You may have heard of it. Can you say Ubuntu? Ubuntu. Not too shabby. Now, whereas Descartes' philosophy says, I think, therefore I am, Ubuntu philosophy, and the word literally means, 
I am because we are. I am because we are. In other words, my well-being is directly tied into yours and yours into mine and ours into one another's. It is the Ubuntu philosophy and approach to life that inspired the late Desmond Tutu to say, my humanity is bound up in yours for we can only be human together. Dear Mayflower, you do so much for those outside this community. What I came to say to you today is to make sure that you take care of one another in this community with the same level of intensity and passion as you do those outside this beloved community. Progressive culture has been peddling hyper-intellectualism and rugged individualism so long that sometimes it seems more natural to us than the way of Jesus. But the way of Jesus calls us to remember that our sense of community is even more important than our most favorite cause. Good ideas can and do and should lead to really good work, but good ideas cannot care for you after you lose a loved one. Good ideas cannot put food on the table when we lose a job or remind us of our sacred worth when everyone else tells us we're way, well, unimportant. Only a healthy, loving community like Mayflower can do that. So let's make sure not to alienate our allies because the world will not be changed after all by our great ideas, but by our love in action. So if we cross the finish line on an amazing project or ministry, but we trample the teammates who are doing the work with us, or we leave them behind, what have our actions said to those who are watching? Aren't we doing almost the same thing those loudmouth cousin fundamentalists are doing that give us this reputation as a bunch of hypocrites? We must not only do the right work, friends, but we have to stay focused on doing the right work the right way with one another in community. If we were just called to be any old community, we could just worry about the work and not how we treat one another. But Mayflower, I think you'll agree, is no ordinary community, are you? The love that you give one another is just as important as the love that flows out into the rest of the world from here, from you. So friends, let's focus on being gentle and kind to one another. And let's let that be the norm because if we can't be those things for one another, who'll do it? Now I remember the format of Paul's letters I told you about a little earlier. Uh, I, I, I don't pretend to be Paul, but... Here's my little Pauline attempt to summarize what I hope to leave you with today in a very shortened format. To all the saints at Mayflower, I do, in fact, thank God for my every remembrance of you. If there is any comfort in working for a path to citizenship for our immigrant neighbors, if there is any consolation to be found by championing the equality and sacredness of LGBTQ plus persons and fighting state legislatures who seek to erase our trans beloveds. If there is any tender affection and sympathy 
to be found by sheltering our friends who are experiencing homelessness. If there is any justice to be done in the name of God in Oklahoma City, and there is, then make your joy complete by loving one another in here just as fiercely as you love our neighbors out there. And so for the love of all that is holy, do not jockey to see who gets the credit or who has the more perfect ideas. And by all means, please, do not nitpick and criticize one another when you basically want the same thing. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of one another, sharing the same love, the same mind, serving in humility. And when you get tempted to go rogue and go your own way, Stop and say it, Ubuntu. I am because we are. And let your shared humanity be an even greater bond than your cool ideas for solving the world's problems. Oh, and before I sign off, Dr. Walkie says hi. <laughs> You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.